This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. I am glad you guys are here. If we have not had a chance to meet, my name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life. Pastor Ron, our senior pastor, is flying to Hawaii as we speak to visit his son and daughter-in-law and grandkids. I know. Our family members live in, like, Wisconsin and Illinois, and his family members live in Hawaii. What's up with that? That must be the Lord's blessing on his life. So he is there, but he's praying, praying for us. He actually sent me a text message saying he was praying for you and for us this morning. I think God would really meet us, and he will be back on November the 6th and back with us again. So we are in for a, a treat today, a journey. We are continuing on in our New Testament challenge Uh, We are actually a third of the way through the New Testament challenge. So for those of you who have been keeping up with it, who have been doing your Bible reading each day, you have read one-third of the New Testament in the last four weeks, and that's pretty incredible. And so I just want to say, good job, you guys. I'm really proud of you. That's fantastic. Uh, Each of us uh, can, has the opportunity to, and I think should be going through the New Testament by ourselves. That's part of this New Testament challenge that we're doing. Each of us can, and I believe should be in a life group, which is where we get together with a group of people and we're talking about the things we're learning, we're asking questions, we're getting deeper into God's word, we're experiencing that transformation in the small, excuse me, a small group community. And then the third part of this challenge is that we are going through the main themes of the New Testament, trying to weave them together to figure out as a church body, as a church community, what does it mean to be this New Testament church, this church that God lays out for us? What does it mean for us individually to be people of God and then as a community uh, to be a group that follows after God together, that is in line with God's heart, where God would say to us as a church, well done, you are my servants and you are following me. And so that's the journey that we're on right now. We are continuing on this morning, and as we do, I want to invite you to do something that might be a little bit of a stretch. And I, I apologize. My wife already stretched you once when she asked you to raise your hands, which I think was an awesome thing, by the way, but I'm going to ask you to stretch just a little bit more with me this morning. Uh, and close your eyes. I know. I know. No one's going to hit you. Well, your spouse might hit you, but I can't control that. Okay, so just close your eyes for a second, and imagine with me. Now close your eyes. Don't open them until I tell you, okay? Don't open them. I'm watching. Close your eyes. Imagine that you're running a race. It's through your neighborhood, but it's a long race. We're talking multiple miles. And you're running hard because you want to win this race. This is not a race that you want to come in second place. This is the race. And you're coming to the last hundred yards of the race. You're a block and a half away from the finish line. You can see it. Now, what are you sensing? What are you feeling? Are your muscles just burning? Do your legs feel like they weigh a thousand pounds? Is your heart screaming at you to stop, just pounding out of your chest? Is everything in you saying, I can't do it, I can't make it that last hundred yards? And yet, even as you're thinking that, something happens. Slowly in your mind's eye, you hear the Chariots of Fire theme song start to play, right? And you uh, continue to run this race. It's saying, don't quit. Go strong. Finish till the end. You can do it. You can win this race. You look to your right and to your left. There are your fans, your mom, your dad, your spouse, your kids, your co-workers. They're saying, go, go, go. You can make it to the end. In front of you is the finish line and you're almost there. And you're faced with the question, am I going to finish the race strong or am I going to quit? You can go ahead and open your eyes. Friends, this is the challenge of the New Testament. To finish the race strong. It's the challenge of perseverance. It's the challenge that says, you know what? You are on a race towards God, a spiritual journey, a spiritual race to become the people of God. And it's not easy, 
But the finish line is God himself. And he's saying, don't quit. Finish strong. Run to the end. And the question that we're continually pressed with as we read through the New Testament is, will I give up or will I finish strong? Will I make it to the end? Will I be the person that God called me to be? And over and over again in the New Testament, we see you can do it. You can run this race with joy. You can run this race to God and you can win this race. The book of Hebrews is written to a group of people who are trying to seek after God. They are following him. They're standing up for Christ and they're standing out in their community. But in the midst of it, they're faced with a decision. If they keep standing up for God, if they keep running this race, they're about to face some very serious persecution, and they have to decide, will I run this race to the end? Will I follow God, or will I settle for less? Will I blend into the background? Will I live a mediocre life, or will I live a life that is completely given over to God? And in the middle of that temptation, the author of Hebrews writes in chapter 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses— Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus because he is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now consider Jesus who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Have you ever noticed that weariness comes? Sometimes it comes in short uh, spurts. You just get weary at the end of the day. Sometimes it comes over long periods of time. We have whole seasons where we just feel tired. And when weariness comes, our vision begins to shrink. And that's the danger of growing tired, growing weary, is that we will lose sight of the vision that we're called for. And it's vision in all areas. Parents, do you know that when you get weary, you lose the vision for what parenting could be and should be? It's this holy calling from God to raise these children in a way that they would encounter God and change the world for Christ. But when we get weary, we dumb it down to just trying to get our kids to bed at 8 o'clock so we can have some peace and quiet and watch a little office or CSI at the end of the night. Students, those of you who are in college, you're going through midterms right now. You started the race strong, but you're partway through, and you're thinking, I am exhausted, and we lose sight of the vision of what college could be. Remember, worldwide, only 1% of people have a college education, which means that going to college gives you the keys that unlock doors to incredible possibility. So college is about learning all that we can. It's not just about passing a test. But when we grow tired, we think, I don't even care if I remember this next week. I just need to get the right answers on the test. We grow weary and we lose sight of our vision. It goes in every area of our life. It goes in the areas of sin. Remember, the New Testament call is a call to radical freedom. A call to not being held down to these things that would draw us away from God. Not settling for God's, uh, for less than God's best. But the truth is, when we get weary, we think, I just want to manage my sin. I just want to not sin too bad, at least not as bad as that person does, as opposed to experiencing the freedom that Christ offers. And so the author of Hebrews says we need to keep our vision focused, keep it at the forefront of our minds because we're running the race of faith. And what's the vision? The vision is Jesus Christ himself. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author of He is the perfecter of your faith. He gave you the seed of faith, and he is growing it in your life. So keep your eyes on him and throw off everything that gets in the way. 
of keeping your eyes on Jesus. Throw off everything that gets in the way of making it your life's goal to live the Jesus way. Throw it off. He says you're going to be tempted by sin. Throw it off. You're going to have expected bumps and turns in the road. Just throw them off. You're going to be tempted to make substitute gods out of money or your image or your relationships. You're going to make substitute gods out of sex or greed or gossip. Throw them off. Anything that gets in the way of you keeping your eyes on Jesus, throw it off. And he goes on to say, it is possible. Because when we get weary, we think that's just not possible. I can't do that. But he says, yes, you can. Look, you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, these people who have lived the Christian life and gone before you, and they're in heaven, and they are cheering you on, saying you can do it. They're examples of people who have run the race and made it to the finish line. And he says, keep your eyes on God. These people are telling you you can do it. I was talking with someone last week, and they had finished reading the book of Acts in their New Testament challenge. And we were talking about Paul, because Paul's one of my favorite people. He really is. And they said, yeah, Paul's incredible. His life is uh, it's just inspiring. But listen, that was Paul, okay? I, I can't do that. That was Paul. Or maybe for you, it's someone like, well, yeah, Mother Teresa, she's inspiring. But hey, she's Mother Teresa, okay? She's like this whole brand name at this point. I can't do that. Okay, let's remember something, though. Mother Teresa was this frail old woman, and Paul was a murderer, okay? You can do it. The question is, do you believe in the same God that Paul believes in? Do we have the same Holy Spirit living in us that Mother Teresa had living in her? If we do, then we can do these things. But oftentimes we say, well, that's just a great example of someone who did it, but I couldn't do it. And yet the author of Hebrews says, yes, you can do it. Do you know that the Bible, and you're going to read about this in Philippians, it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so we need to ask ourselves this morning, what are the all things in your life that you need Christ's strength for? He doesn't say, I can do some things, or I can do most things. I can do a lot of things. I can do all things through Christ. And I want to tell you, as you run the race of faith, you will grow weary. You will grow tired. You will be tempted to give up. But the authors of the Bible over and over again say, persevere to the end. Keep your eyes on Christ. He is the one who called you to himself. He is perfecting your faith. You can do it. And so I want to talk this morning about four opportunities that we have to persevere in various areas of our faith. And by the way, if you're a note taker, there are some notes there in your programs. You can just go ahead and follow along with me and and fill these in and study them this week as you go home. Now, there are definitely more than four areas that we're called to persevere, but these are four overarching areas that will help draw us close to God. If we do these things, we will encounter God in a deeper way. We'll be able to follow God more fully. And so the authors say these four things. Persevere, first off, in your prayers. It's one thing to pray consistently. It's another thing to pray persistently. Oftentimes we settle for consistency in our prayer life. I pray once a day at meals. And that's good. That's consistent. But God wants us to go deeper. He wants us to be persistent in our prayer life. That means taking a deeper view of prayer. It means taking a deeper view of God. It means coming to God in prayer and sitting in his presence, even when there's doubt, even when there's fear, even when we have questions, even when we don't see God answering us right away or don't seeing him answering us the way that we think he should. Being persistent in our prayers means that we are continually seeking after God, knowing that he wants to meet us. Because the truth is, he does. 
In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us these words. He says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone. Go ahead and underline everyone. That's everyone who's a believer in Jesus. Everyone who has given their life over to him and is following after him. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks you for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would you give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Remember, these are the words of Jesus. These are the words of God spoken to us. And we need to hold on to two truths from this passage. The first is that God wants to bring good gifts into your life. And that really has to do with the character of God. Do I believe that God really wants to bring good gifts into my life? Because Jesus says that he does. And the second thing we need to hold on to is the fact that when we persevere in our prayers, it enables God to bring those blessings into our lives. Verse 8 says, Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. But the actual translation of that is, Keep asking and you will receive. Keep seeking and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be opened to you. It's not a one-time event. It is a continual thing. I don't know if you saw, but Justin had his glasses today for the first time in about five months. It's because he lost them back in May. Yeah, which is a bummer because he can't even see the exit sign in the back of the room. He told me it's just a big green blur back there. So it's been sad for him for the last five months. But he had them today. But can you imagine if Justin had looked for his glasses once and said, well, I sought them, but I couldn't find them, so I guess I'm just done looking. He'd still be blind as a bat up here. But he kept seeking and he found. See, that's what Jesus wants us to know. It's a continual act. As we persevere in our prayers, as we come before God, he answers. He reveals himself. He speaks to us. Uh, I talk about my kids all the time. I have two incredible kids, Maddie, who's three years old, and Landon, who's just about eight months old. And so you guys know all about them. And many of you know, actually, that in between Maddie and Landon, Maria and I were pregnant. And I prayed for that baby every day. I mean, every day I prayed for the health of that baby. But at about two months uh, into our pregnancy, Maria had a miscarriage, and we lost the baby. And it was, it was devastating. And I've talked to you guys about that before. It really was. It, it brought to my mind a lot of those questions, those why questions that we ask when tragedy and pain happen that we just don't know the answer for this side of eternity. I, I want to be clear about one thing. I never blamed God because I know too much about the nature of sin and brokenness and pain in the world to blame God when something like that happens. I think it's a shallow faith that forgets about God in good times, and then blames God in bad times. And I don't want to be that kind of a person. I know God's character. But even though I didn't blame God, when we got pregnant with Landon, the question came to my mind, why pray? It didn't seem to change anything, at least that I saw when we were pregnant last time. So why pray now? Have you ever had that question? You prayed about something, you didn't get the answer that you wanted, or it seemed like God didn't answer you. And so then when someone said, well, you should pray into that, you thought, well, why pray now? Or am I the only person who ever has those types of questions? Yeah, I think we have them a lot. I want to share with you a few reasons why I think God wants us to persevere in our prayers. The first is that it communicates our faith in God. It communicates the fact that we know the nature of God, that we take Jesus at his word when he says, your Father in heaven wants to give you good gifts. 
It takes Jesus at his word when the scripture tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And so we pray because it communicates our faith in God. Oftentimes I think we treat God and prayer as one of many options. We're going to a test, we're going to a job interview, we're going into a difficult situation, and we throw a prayer up to God in about 10 seconds. We hope that someone hears it and that something changes, but that's really about it. That communicates to God that we don't actually believe that he is the creator of the world, the sustainer of the world, the one that can speak incredible things into being. But when we persevere in our prayers, when we go deep with God, when we sit in his presence and listen to his voice and come before him in prayer, we communicate that we trust him, that we know he can work miracles, that we know he's moving and living. And when we do that, it communicates our faith. And then perseverance in prayer is a catalyst that actually grows our faith. We know that God gives us good gifts. Jesus says it very clearly. It's over and over again in the Bible. And so the question becomes, if we're not trying to change God's mind, if we're not trying to convince him to give us a good gift, why do we pray? I think one of the key answers to that is because when we pray, we line our heart, our mind, our soul up with God's heart, mind, and soul. When we pray, we begin to have God's perspective on things. We begin to say, God, like Jesus prays in the garden, not my will, but would your will be done. And it grows our faith, and it takes us deeper, and it helps us experience God more intimately, and it helps us to trust him more. When we persevere in our prayers, it is a catalyst to grow our faith. When we persevere in our prayers, our desires and God's desires begin to line up. When we persevere in our prayers, God answers too. It's not always the way we think he should answer or we want him to, but God answers us. And God begins to bring his blessing into our life. So the first thing is he wants us to persevere in our prayers. The second thing God wants us to do is persevere in our spiritual growth. Friends, spiritual growth does not happen without resistance. I want to be very clear about that. Spiritual growth does not happen without resistance, which is why we need to persevere. It is an uphill battle against the values, the beliefs, and the systems of the world around us. Have you noticed when you read through the New Testament challenge, oftentimes Jesus is standing here and saying this, and the world is standing here and saying this, and they are in opposition to each other? We cannot neuter that. God is in opposition to the world in so many things. And oftentimes we try to to, to get it away, to get rid of it, because we don't like that tension. The truth is, if we want to grow closer to God, we are going to come against opposition in the world. It's opposition in all sorts of areas, and we will face resistance. If you're not facing any sort of resistance, it's a good indicator that you might just be floating along with the culture a little too much. But I also want to be clear that you can face resistance and not grow spiritually. It's all about how you respond in that time. You've ever noticed when you're tired or hungry or stressed out, you get a little snappy? Or is that just me again? Am I the only one who gets a little snappy sometimes? I know it's not because you guys pray about it in your prayer requests. (laughs) When we're stressed out, we have the opportunity to grow spiritually because we have the opportunity to depend on Christ to be our sustainer. Or we have the opportunity to snap and be a real jerk. And so the question becomes, how will I respond in a godly way when I grow spiritually, when I face resistance? How will I persevere in my spiritual growth, in my spiritual life? In the book of Acts, we see Peter and John preaching about Jesus, and the Jewish leaders don't like it at all. So they arrest these guys, they call them in, and they say, hey, listen, if you don't stop preaching about Jesus, we will have you killed. 
That's just the way it is. And here's how Peter responds. Do you think that God wants us to obey you rather than him? I think that's an incredible question. I think it's a question that we should keep on in the forefront of our minds this week. When we're faced with choices and decisions, we should ask the question, do you think God would want me to obey that choice or that decision rather than obey him? I know what his word says to say. I know what he's revealed to me. Do you think he wants me to obey you rather than him? Do you think he wants me to obey my anger rather than what he commands me to do? My greed rather than what he says to do with generosity? Do you think God wants me to obey my lust rather than my commitment to my spouse? See, there's opposition in the world, and the question is, how will we respond? And God says, persevere in your spiritual growth. So I want to challenge you, and this is the challenge of the New Testament. Will we stand up and stand out for Christ, or will we float along in the sea of our world? Will we be on fire for Christ, encountering him, living the way he calls us to live, being the people he calls us to be, or will we be lukewarm Christians in name only? This is the challenge that I find over and over again. I've been writing this blog for the New Testament, and I feel each week like I'm getting a little harsher in the questions I'm asking. And I feel bad about that, but I can't read the Bible and make it any softer. So it's really difficult for me. I'm in this tension, like, well, Jesus keeps hitting on this same thing over and over again. Should I just skip it in the blog? Or should I write about it again? And so I'm trying to write about it again. Are you seeing that when you read the Bible? Man, Jesus is strong. And he makes no apologies because he knows this is the best way to live. Not a best way to live. The best way to live. And so he says, persevere. And it takes training, by the way. In 1 Timothy 4, 7, Paul says, train yourselves to be godly. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not a big fan of exercise. I'm really not. I'll take a cup of coffee and a book any day over running. But I know that in order for my body to sustain and maintain the way that it should run, I need to exercise. So for the last five months, uh, I've exercised at least three times a week. In full disclosure, I will say that I've exercised at most three times a week as well. Um, I, I have, I've been pretty strong with my three-time-a-week commitment to exercise. When Paul says, train yourselves to be godly, he's actually using the picture of an athlete training of an athlete pushing themselves to the boundaries, pushing themselves to the limit. And he says to us, train yourselves. Don't just float, but train yourself in spiritual growth. Train yourself to be godly. Make the commitments you need to make to follow after him. And I want to encourage you, a number of us are taking this seriously right now. We're taking this New Testament challenge, and it is a challenge for many of us to grow spiritually, to read the word, not just for information, but for transformation. And by the way, a great way to experience transformation as you read your Bible is to ask two questions. What is he saying to them? And how do I apply that to my life? If we just ask, how do I apply that to my life? We're missing out on what he's actually saying. And if we just ask, what is he saying to them? We aren't actually doing anything with it. It's just information. So as you read your Bible this week, ask two questions. What is he saying to them? And how do I apply what he's saying into my life? And we've joined life groups, and we're going through this New Testament challenge series. We are growing spiritually, and I want to tell you, after week four, the newness of this challenge has worn off for many of you. I know it, but I want to encourage you, persevere to the end. Persevere in your spiritual growth. And then a third area God wants us to to succeed in persevering is in times of failure and loss. Failure and loss will come to all of us. It's just part of the world we live in. We live in a broken world. Well, there's pain. 
I turned on the news this morning and saw that there was a 7.3 earthquake in Turkey last night. That is pain. That is very real death and destruction. But we know we live in a broken world where these types of things happen. Jesus promised that these types of things would happen because of the world we live in. And so the question is not what happens if these things come. The question is what will I do when these things come? Here's what Paul suggests in Romans. He says, when you face sufferings, glory in your sufferings. Because you know that the suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. You see, Paul was a realist. He knew that things were going to happen, that were going to be difficult. But he says, glory in your sufferings. Rejoice in your sufferings. Those are not words we think of when we think of pain and suffering and tragedy. Glory, rejoice, celebrate. But he says, do it because it produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Have you ever noticed that a thought turns into an action? An action turns into a character trait. A character trait turns into a defining moment, and defining moments define our destiny. So Paul says, when you go through one of these defining moments, choose God. Turn to him. Allow him to meet you in that place because it will produce in you perseverance and character and hope and will ultimately draw you closer to God. I think when we go through times of failure and pain, we need to ask the question, God, what can you show me in this? What can you teach me in this? What can I learn from this? God, how can I draw closer to you in this moment? And it could be something small like failing at a project at home, a home improvement project. It could be something big like failing at a job. It could be something small like losing your glasses and God wanting to produce in you patience. It could be something large like losing a child or a loved one. God, what are you trying to teach me in this moment? God, what can I learn? And then I think we need to hold on to the truth of God. This is my favorite passage in the entire Bible. It comes from Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, We know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, I want to be clear. It does not say that God causes all things, simply that God works all things together for good. He weaves them together to make something good out of something painful. And I want to encourage you, if you're going through a time of pain right now, memorize Romans 8, 28. Believe in that promise of God. Trust him for it. Go to him in prayer. And then the final area I want to share with you is one that I get criticism for from time to time because I talk about it too much, some people say, and I love it. Go ahead and criticize me because I can't tell you, I cannot tell you about the New Testament without talking about this last one. So if you want to criticize me, uh, go ahead. Ron's on vacation, so you can shoot him some emails. He's actually not checking them, so that's perfect. Um, the last one is persevering in influencing others for Jesus Christ. Persevering in influencing others for Jesus Christ. I want to make a bold statement. Influencing others for Jesus Christ is the single reason why God has kept you here after you became a follower of Jesus. It is the only reason you're still here. It's the only reason he gave you breath on this earth and he didn't take you to heaven immediately because the truth is we could probably do more damage the longer we're left here than we could good. Let's be honest. But he kept you here. Look at what we see in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And here's why I've gotten flack. Because people say, man, Kevin, the minute someone becomes a Christian here at New Life, you tell them to go out and invite their friends to come to church. I say, uh, yeah, absolutely I tell them that. Isn't that what we see Jesus doing in the Bible? 
Didn't he take a guy who had a whole ton of demons in him that was like naked in the tombs and he healed the guy and then he said to the guy, go back to your village and tell everyone about the good things of God? He didn't say go to seminary and learn all about God. He said, go tell God what God's, tell, tell about what God's doing in your life. Isn't that what Paul says over and over again? Isn't that what Peter says over and over again? That the reason why we are here is to influence other people for Jesus so that they can come to know him? Isn't that why God came? Isn't that why Jesus was here? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life? Why are we here if not to influence people for Jesus? I've been forming friendships with my neighbors for the last year or so. And, uh, and we, we're really getting to know each other really well, having a good time. And every once in a while, we'll talk about some spiritual things. We'll talk about life. And they know I'm a pastor. I don't pull any punches about that, um, which is always fun, by the way. When I, I was at a party last night for somebody, and this gal was telling me how her friend invited her to new life. I was like, oh, that's fun. That's exciting. She starts telling me all sorts of stories and things. And so after about 20 minutes of talking, she says, so what do you do? I said, oh, I'm the pastor at New Life. <laughs> I told her if she comes, I'll give her a shout out. And I think she's coming in a few weeks, so. It's just fun. It's just fun. But I've been, I've been talking to my neighbors, and I keep inviting them to church, and they keep saying no. Not mean, not angry, just no thanks. It's not really for me. And it can be discouraging. I can, I can want to give up sometimes. I don't want to bug them. Uh, right? I don't want them to think that I'm only their friend because I want them to, to become uh, a Christian, although isn't that why I'm here, so that they would come to know Christ and know his love like I know his love? Isn't that why you're here, so that your neighbors and your friends and your coworkers would come to know Jesus like you know Jesus? But I persevere in that because I know God's calling them. Maybe I'm just planting some seeds of faith. Maybe in 10 years, someone else is going to invite them to church in Southern California or somewhere else in the Midwest or something, and they'll go then and they'll experience God. And they'll say, oh yeah, I knew this pastor kid a long time ago, and uh, he used to tell me about Jesus. I I don't know what's going to happen. But one thing the Bible says over and over again is persevere in influencing other people for Jesus. God's great desire is not just that you would know him and worship him and love him, but that every man, woman, and child on the face of this earth would know him and worship him and love him. And it is a grand vision. It is an audacious vision, but it's the reason Jesus came. And so I want to ask you this morning, who do you know that you can influence for Jesus? Some of you are on fire in this area. You love inviting your friends to come and experience God, whether it's at church or in a Bible study you're doing at your house or in a conversation that you're having. Others of us have friends, roommates, coworkers, spouses, kids, And to be honest, we don't really give a whole lot of thought to how we can influence them for Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do it. Not because it's a bait and switch. You're not forming a friendship with them and then turning it somehow to God. Do it because God is the center of all things. The Bible says Jesus is the creator and the sustainer of all. And he knows your friends, your coworkers, your spouse, and he loves them. So help them encounter him. And there are some of you who are here this morning and you're hearing this. and, And again, I'm not going to pull any punches with you. I want you to know God loves you. He loves you with an incredible love. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. Imagine the person that you love the most in this world. He loves you infinitely more than that. He created you so that you would know his love, experience relationship with him, come and follow after him. And if you have never made that decision, today is your day. So I'm going to pray in just a minute, and I'm going to give you the chance to pray a prayer and simply invite God to lead you in this life. 
Acknowledge that he is real and here and calling you to himself and then respond to him. It is the single greatest prayer you could ever pray. God wants you to come to him today. He loves you. Jesus came to earth, lived a perfect life, and died on a cross to forgive you of your sins because each of us is broken. We hurt ourselves, we hurt others, and that separates us from God. But God drew you to himself through Jesus, and he wants you to come today. So when I pray in just a minute, if you sense God calling you, if the things that I'm saying seem very real and true at a head level or at a heart level, I want you to respond to him today and come into relationship and experience all that God has for you in life. Would you join me as we pray? Lord, first off, I want to pray for all of my friends here today that you would give us perseverance and strength and courage to be all that you call us to be. Would you draw us into new depths of intimacy with you in prayer? Lord, would you help us to continue to draw towards you in our spiritual development, making godly choices when times get tough, making the right choices when we're faced with opposition to you? Would you help us to persevere through times of pain and suffering so that we could know your comfort in a very real and deep and tangible way? And would you give each of my friends uh, the courage and the strength to persevere in influencing others for you? Because we stand on the truth that it is the reason why we are still here today. And so as long as you choose to keep us on this earth, Lord, that is our great vocation. It's our great calling, and we want to follow you in it. As we continue to pray, if you are in a relationship with Jesus, if you would just be praying for anybody who's not, that God would stir in their hearts. That, that's how you can pray quietly right now. And I want to talk to you if you're not in a relationship with God. God is calling you to himself. He makes it very clear in the Bible. I believe he's probably revealed that to you in your life at different points. He is calling you to himself. And I want to encourage you, today is the day for you to come and respond to him and simply say, yes, I want to come into relationship with you, to follow you. So would you join me if God is calling you? Would you, would you pray this simple prayer? You can pray, Lord Jesus, I believe that you came, that you died, that you rose again to call me into a relationship with yourself. Would you come into my life and would you lead me and guide me? I want to follow you wherever you'll take me on this journey. I believe in you this morning. Would you continue to reveal yourself to me? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.